0: Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1 with Opel. German engineering that's future ready and simply electric.
1: Good morning and welcome to the programme. Today, shock at the Neffet recommendations. We'll have reaction from the restaurant and pub industries, the entertainment industry and others as government grapples with the decision today. Bruce Springsteen sells off his entire back catalogue. He hardly needs the money, so superfan Ralph Regal has been trying to find out why he's doing it. Paddy Murray says he's been a prisoner of the virus for two years. He tells us how his Christmas is shaping up this year. And everything but the Christmas dinner, chef Brian McDermott will be here to share his festive food ideas for before and after the big day. Also, the best gifts for the green-fingered people in your lives. Gardeners, Mary Staunton and Paul Smith will be here to answer your questions. And of course, our Friday gathering will join me to look back on the big stories of the week. You can get in touch this morning. Text us on 51551. Our email address is todaycb at rte.ie or on Twitter, we are at Today with Claire. Now, we had confirmation from the Green Party leader, Eamon Ryan, er- Earlier on Morning Ireland, that there will be a Cabinet COVID subcommittee today and a full Cabinet meeting later on this afternoon to consider this latest NEFIT advice. Minister Ryan also said he believed that Theshuk may make a public address at six PM. Well, for more on this, I'm joined by Daniel McConnell, political editor with the Irish Examiner. Good morning, Daniel.
2: Good morning, Claire. All
1: right, big day today, big decision for the government, particularly around this proposed 5pm closing time for pubs, restaurants, the hospitality sector, entertainment venues too. What are you hearing about the government response reaction initially to this?
2: Well, there's considerable anger to the manner in which the, the news has emerged yet again. Uh, that The leaking out of information late last night uh, to various uh, media organisations and elsewhere uh, certainly has angered an awful lot of people because I think there's the strong sense after the previous round of, of, of angst and kind of uh, disruption, there was a certain sense that they were, you know, government did not want businesses and um, people affected in, in the wider uh, public. I suppose relying on, on leaks and speculation, they wanted to, they wanted them to kind of to hear from government first and this obviously again has scuppered that and again the fact that we're merely you know we're even having a a cabinet subcommittee and then a full cabinet meeting on a Friday as opposed to the normal Tuesday uh, goes to show how that that whole dynamic has changed so there's anger in relation to that of more substance I do get the sense that you know the five o'clock deadline is going to be the the big stumbling block in the big area of of contention and there is some people already speculating that, you know, never have gone to 5pm the government may come back and say well listen, we might go to 8pm or 9pm but that's something to be played out or fleshed out during the day.
1: Okay, and the Taoiseach is on his way back or is he back from Brussels?
2: He'll be due back, if not back by lunchtime, he'll certainly be back this afternoon so he'll be yeah. there to kind of chair the meetings there this afternoon
1: Yeah, I but ask, I ask that Danny because it would be interesting to see what his take is on this because the memory of last Christmas is still so fresh for this government.
2: Yeah it certainly is but again like we need to just look at Micheál Martin's handling of all of this from the get go he, he has always adopted a very conservative approach he has always by and large gone along with what Nefford have recommended they've only ever really departed from Nefford on a couple of occasions and done so obviously last Christmas we know to there was, there was the fallout of that You know, we, we, the scars of that have loomed large not only on the political system but in the public psyche as well mm-hmm. but since then you know, there has been almost a slavish adoption and adherence to Nefford advice um, so my, my sense is that if government do... Depart from Neffit. It'll be maybe on a minority of issues or on small issues, but in the main, they're going to accept the vast trust of what Neffit are recommending. Notwithstanding, there is a lot of resistance and a lot of anger at how this dynamic has has how you know where we find ourselves, especially at this point. And ultimately, what we we knew at the last time two weeks ago, when the teacher shirt gave his last State of the Nation address, I mean, at that point, we were looking at recommendations, you know, that should have been in place until January 9th, and he said he did not envisage. You know further restrictions, but obviously that was subject to review. We now are in a position where they are coming back to the table, uh, but it's been done sort of through gritted teeth because the argument at that point was they were being done on a precautionary basis, and there's still a lot of uncertainty in relation to the absolute impact of what Omicron uh, is going to bring okay. but obviously we're coming at, at a, a high base in terms of hospitalizations and ICU numbers at the moment
1: Danny you can understand that we're getting questions in from listeners some of these I know that we won't be able to answer because the information that we have is, is limited at the moment but people wanting to know can hotels trade as usual what about weddings what about funerals
2: Really difficult around. There's no specific advice that I'm told in relation to the holding of weddings. The key question is going to be that five o'clock curfew. If you have a wedding, say that's scheduled for two o'clock, and reception is not due to uh, probably not begin until five o'clock. What happens then? So there, there's clarity needed there pretty quickly. In terms of funerals again, there's no specific advice that we've been told as to a limit in relation to those yet. Now they it it may come out you know kind of later in the day, but as of now we're not aware of any specific limit on numbers at funerals. Now we know obviously. Uh, and to to the great pain of many, many people, there were obviously very low numbers allowed at, at funerals and weddings. And for a long period of, the, of this pandemic, we could very well go back there. Again, I'm, that's only speculation and kind of what people are expecting rather than knowing it for definite. In terms of hotels, hotels have always operated slightly Outside the sort of normal scope of, of restrictions, you know, they've allowed, they were always allowed to serve people indoors, they were allowed to have people kind of dining in where others, other organisations were not and other cafes and restaurants were not and that obviously was a source of great tension during the summer particularly. Um, so again, we're going to have to, that, that'll be one of those questions that will have to be fleshed out. I do think a lot of it will 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 hang on what decision the government takes in relation to that five o'clock deadline. Because if you have a nine o'clock or a ten o'clock curfew, that's a very different situation than my, where you would if you had the five o'clock one you in place. Know,
1: it might also defeat the purpose, though. The reason why Neffet has has given this advice, if you if you go to eight or nine.
2: Yeah, but the, I suppose the point that a lot of restaurants are making is that a lot of them are, are evening only. The The idea of having an eight o'clock or a nine o'clock curfew even would give them one sitting as opposed to the two that they would normally have. Whereas if at five o'clock they're closed, it's essentially it's a lockdown, it's a curfew, they yeah. can't operate at all. Um, and I suppose it's about finding that balance if government are serious about that balance. And again, I suppose they're only going on what government have told them. It's about living with COVID Rather than, I suppose, living in fear of it. And again, you know, again, that argument, I suppose, will have to be fleshed out. We know as a cabinet subcommittee, so I think Tony Holham and uh, his team will have to obviously face the the wrath of of, of certain politicians um, at that meeting and defend their case. Because we know at the meeting the other day, Stephen Donny made clear at the doorstep uh, the other night that you know they were given a pretty broad range of what the possibility uh, in terms of case numbers, hospitalizations and ICU numbers from Omicron. So I think there's going to be a lot of drilling down as to the evidence because some Ministers have been making the point to me since last night. Since all of this erupted last night, you know, when have Neffet's recommendations or when have Neffet's modelling ever been right? You know, they've rarely getting it right when it comes terms, terms of their modelling. So why would we take such a draconian act now yeah. when the information is 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 so unreliable? They'd
1: probably say that the modelling is presented and then the behaviour changes, so you never get to that point that you might have predicted if nothing had have changed. Just want to ask you about something else, which may be significant if it's accepted by government. The rules are going to change if Neffet has its way around what happens with a close contact who hasn't had a booster.
2: Yeah, so basically at the moment, you know, there's a kind of a, they, they, they kind of relaxed the rules in October. What they're looking at now is going back to that idea of everyone every one of a close contact would have to get uh, would have to get um, uh, tested now in relation what we need to find out is, is the clarity is well if someone has their third dose on their third their booster vaccine what impact does that have in terms of their status yeah. but ultimately I think what we have known and this has been sort of flagged on in a couple of occasions that um, you know that like you know that, that people who are close contacts um, with the booster campaign may not need to get a, get a PCR test but again we'll just need to wait and see and I'm just reading from my notes here close contacts of a confirmed case who have not uh, received a booster um vaccine will likely to be advised to restrict their movements so that as i said that'll need to be fleshed out Um, yeah but we uh, we, it certainly will but we also know as well crucially you know because a lot of people have been asking me all morning and since last night what's going to happen about christmas dinner and the idea of meeting up with family over christmas we know as of now that limit of four households gathering will remain unchanged. So I think that's probably a concession. And that, to me, strikes the effort of our plumbing for gatherings and social housing, or, you know, social gatherings in homes over people going out and, and socialising in pubs and restaurants. Because remember, that was the big argument of last year yep. and last Christmas. Absolutely. It was one over the other.
1: Daniel, thanks very much for that update. Daniel McConnell their political editor with the Irish Examiner. Let's go to Dublin City Centre now. Our reporter, Barry Lenehan, is there. Barry, you're at the top of Grafton Street. So what's the vibe like in town this morning? Is it busy?
0: Yes, uh, good morning, Claire. from the city centre. Here since uh, when darkness still befell the city and it's picking up in terms of business at the moment. Just standing, as you say, at the top of Grafton Street, St. Stephen's Green Shopping Centre to my left, this is seen synonymous, really, with a, a Dublin Christmas, with an Irish Christmas for many people, but also perhaps strikes at the heart of the decisions which government would make this afternoon on the back of those recommendations from Neffet. If I look to my left, the Gaiety Theatre, what will happen to indoor events there? Behind me, the Green Line. Lose. you'd often see from St. Stephen's, St. Stephen's Day onwards, people in their finery, racing post in Paw, off to the Leopardstown races, what will happen to that fixture and really the shops along here on Grafton Street and the bars and restaurants hand in hand, teeming really in those days in the run up to Christmas uh, in terms of what it's like today this is the, the last Friday of course before the big day, that's unless of course you are like myself, a last minute merchant on Christmas Eve, uh, but really the scene here, uh, much more quieter you would have to say than the usual last Friday before Christmas, not the usual going down Grafton Street like the dodgems, like the bumper cars, avoiding people, so much quieter uh, good, uh, good compliance with mask wearing as well, uh, and more people coming out as the morning progresses, but definitely uh, a lot uh, less busier than usual than you would expect for this time of day, at this time of year and I was here on Wednesday night as well, you could kick a football through the city, here yesterday along Grafton Street too, much quieter than one would expect, and that is the contention of businesses in the city of the hospitality sector of some people that society is effectively already locking down itself ahead of the big day uh, and those who are railing against perhaps these latest recommendations point to that and point to the quietness of the city uh, but yes the Christmas lights here uh, a festive mood but perhaps not the usual festive cheer
1: and you had a chat with some of the people who are out and about this morning
0: yes people uh, coming in here uh, from early morning going to work not the usual tsunami of people you'd get off the Lewis rushing to the various offices but still the people I spoke to perhaps wrestling with the same dilemma as the various parliamentary parties are today ahead of that big announcement at six o'clock people a resignation that more uh, restrictions perhaps on the way because of Omicron but also questioning the efficacy of a proposed five o'clock curfew.
1: I think we can hear from some of those people you spoke to now.
3: Yeah, I think it's silly, like, you know, five o'clock. Now I can see what they're doing, you know, late at night maybe is when COVID is spreading. People are getting a bit more, you know, happy and they're partying, you know. Like, could they not push it to maybe eight o'clock or nine o'clock? Like, five o'clock's is
2: very
0: extreme. What difference do you think five o'clock would make? What difference would eight or
3: nine o'clock well, make? Well, I think
0: eight or nine o'clock
3: gives people a chance to go to the pub and go to the restaurant, have a bite to eat, have a few drinks, whereas five o'clock's a joke. Five o'clock? Sure. What, and what do you do after five o'clock? You go home. Can you not go out and meet people till eight or nine o'clock? I think people are are they're on the edge now, I think.
4: We only have ourselves to blame. We haven't fully cooperated. You can just see the amount of people with no masks on, no social distancing, not washing their hands and so on. So
0: I think we only have ourselves to blame. It's easy blame. Enfit, easy blend the government, but we have our own responsibilities. But five o'clock, is it perhaps a little too early? Will it be actually counterintuitive and lead to house parties? I
4: I agree with you. I think that's what'll happen. Again, we didn't learn from last year. That's what happened last year. People couldn't go to pubs, couldn't go to restaurants, so we all had house parties, at least in the environment of
0: restaurants it can be controlled somewhat 5 o'clock is probably a little early. What does the Taoiseach need to say then to get people on board for this? Uh, I think he needs to sell, say to people we are responsive for our own actions I think so far
4: the government have allowed us to be responsive for our own actions and he just needs to reinforce that So I think it's a good idea you know because the this restriction is is good for the people you know when we have a o- Omricon so my opinion is okay it's
5: Ridiculous like because I work in a pub and we're, uh, we're very strict
1: on the restrictions so you're in a controlled environment just because the pub's closed at 5 o'clock people are going to continue at house parties which are not controlled again another blow for the industry by hooligan
0: were you surprised when you saw that oh, time 5
1: yeah i thought maybe 10 o'clock to go along with the um off license closure so obviously people are going to leave pubs at five and they still have the they still have a way to buy um alcohol from off license i just hope miho martin doesn't go with it just don't understand why he's just done this again i mean the majority of cases are coming from schools why didn't they close the schools a week earlier get drunk at one
0: o'clock and get to bed by six it but is only advice at the moment to you think or would you like the government maybe to to tweak it seven o'clock nine o'clock yeah they will tweak it but
2: don't think it'll make a hell of a difference i just think they need to be a bit more with the booster shots and all that type of stuff
0: if they claim the booster is one of the best rollouts in the world would you agree with that no because i myself i got my uh, vaccinations last year well i'm 55 so uh, i still
2: haven't received my tax to time me to go and get me booster and that. know.
1: Barry Lennon there chatting to people on Grafton Street this morning, Barry. Thank you very much for that. We're going to get reaction from the hospitality and live events industry next. Today with Claire Byrne
4: on RTÉ Radio 1.
1: Peter has been in touch saying I've tickets booked for a rugby match on St Stephen's Day. Who's going to decide what 50% are going to be allowed to go? And by the way, myself and my wife have our boosters. Well according to what's being recommended Peter and going by the size of the venue you're planning to go to it might be less than 50% uh, but we'll find out more on that in just a moment because as we've been hearing the concerns uh, are, are mounting that the introduction of further restrictions will be another hammer blow to those in hospitality, live events and sport Let's talk to some of those people who are likely to be impacted now Pat Crotty is the owner of the Paris, Texas bar in Kilkenny and is on the line Good morning Pat Morning Clare How are you today?
4: Um, very nervous, uh, very apprehensive, uh, feeling very groundhog day again.
1: Mm-hmm. Had business been affected though up to now?
4: Yes, it had. Claire, I mean the the the, the advertising, the messaging has worked. Um, older people were being far more wary, far more sparing in their in their vis- number of visits. Uh, the Christmas parties all dried up completely. So another, like yesterday was in effect the Thursday before Christmas. It should, yesterday should have been the start of a big, big weekend. It was a fraction of it. It was, it was like a Thursday in November. So the messaging has worked. People are already responding. There is no need for a hammer to crack a nut when it's already cracked, well mm-hmm. cracked.
1: Because government, you know, are sitting down having that cabinet subcommittee at 12 o'clock, then they'll go on to yeah. a full cabinet meeting. What's your meeting, your message to them today?
4: But my message is that there's two levels of message. One is for for my own business and my own people. I can handle uh, throwing out food because it's going to be wasted because we have it already bought and we can't give it back. And we're going to have beer. And the people who produce the beer are not going to take it back. But I have career full-time hospitality people who have Santa coming next week, who have car loans and who have mortgages and who have been told by the state, you're going to live on 350 euros a week until we tell you different. It's, it's untenable that two years into this, that the, we will have no staff left in this industry because how could somebody come and work for me when I can't even tell them, that I can assure them that they'll have work next week. That's on, on the small level, but on, on the big level, Claire. Um, From everything I follow on on the metrics for Ireland, our numbers in hospitals are going down, our numbers in ICU are steady but going down, our number of cases are steady, and 10,000 of the 33,000 cases positive last week were children between 5 and 12. They are not our customer. They are not even ever in the premises. I mean it's it's a it's as I said to you already, it's, it's a sledgehammer to, to, to crack a nut sure we have issues but we're not starting from the same point as the UK or others okay. we didn't have everything open we don't have 100,000 at soccer matches and thousands in nightclubs and all that's not our starting point with this So if the government and we also have a lot more vaccinated yeah.
1: if the government agrees then to this 5pm closing time is that a, an effect of complete closure for your business
4: Absolutely um, 95% of our drink business would happen after that time and probably 85%, certainly more than 80% of our, our food business, and indeed, and the profitable end of your food business. That serving dinner as opposed to serving at lunch is all after five o'clock. Um, so it's, it's shut down. We are, there, is no, there will be no point in being open next week.
1: Pat thanks for joining us today Pat Crotty there in Kilkenny let's go to Dublin now and to Gina Murphy owner of Hugo's restaurant Gina we've been talking before about the number of cancellations you had in the month of December and just before I think as well what does this mean what does 5 o'clock mean for you
5: Hi Claire um we're absolutely not viable. Uh, we tend to do about 70% of our turnover in the evening. So to be empty by five, we've got to close our kitchens at half three. That gives us a window of three and a half hours in which to trade. It's a total loss-making exercise. So we're achieving nothing. We're actually doing untold damage to the exchequer and to our own per- um, personal financial standing. Like. As I said to you before, like, I I stopped counting. I hit 4,400 cancellations for the month. And you work that out at an average of between 70 and 100 euros ahead. We have no fat on our bones left. You know, normally December is when we build up, you know, our reserves, our supplies to carry us through January, February, March. That's not there. I do not know how to protect my staff.
1: Because today, I would imagine, is an ordering day as well, isn't it, for for Christmas week for you. So you need a decision on this pretty quickly in the next couple of hours.
5: Absolutely. Um, I I honestly don't know what to do. My my biggest fear, as Pat said, my staff, I would lay down my life for my staff. I'm reeling.
1: Since you heard this last night.
5: What do I do? The average age of my staff is 44. These are not, they cannot be collateral damage for this. They're not disposable people. They all have families. They've got Santa Claus coming next week. As Pat said, try living in Dublin on 350 euros a week. That's the equivalent of 18,200 a year. My staff are on between 40 and 60,000, and you're, they're going to be reduced down to 18 and asked to stay in the industry. We're already left with a depleted gene pool of trained and professional people. And now this. Why would they hang out in hospitality when there's no certainty and they don't know how they're going to pay their next bills? It's outrageous that they're being treated like this. The people that are making these recommendations are not financially affected by them. I completely understand that public health is the priority, but my God, so is the, the financial standing of the people that are taking the pummeling. You cannot keep doing this to people and expect us to be here when everybody wants it to open again.
1: I just, I mean, I can hear the stress in your voice. and I'm sure everybody listening can hear it too. And we've been listening to this stress and pressure on you, uh, Gina, for nearly two years now. How does it affect you personally?
5: Claire? I, look, I'll, I'll be fine, you know. I just, it's beyond frustrating. You know, we were just getting back on our feet. You know, like, this is like death by a thousand cuts. Like if you, this half measure, you know, the recommendation, close at five o'clock. Come on, does anybody actually understand our business? Because it doesn't seem like it. You know, we're we're better served by being completely shut down and proper supports being put in place. Because letting us open till five, we're not actually closed. So supports don't kick in, Mm -hmm. but we're not viable. We're completely loss making. So like, what are we supposed to do?
1: Let's see how the day uh, plays out. Gina, thanks again for talking to us. I know it's a really difficult day for for Gina and for Pat and everyone who's working in that industry and also for people like Sean Kelly, who's on the line, Chief Executive of the Everyman Theatre in Cork City. Good morning to you, Sean.
3: Hi, Claire. Thanks for having me on.
1: I'm sure you're very worried today too.
3: Um, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're hugely dependent on our Christmas panto um in a normal year it would represent about 25% of our total income it will represent much more than that this year because of the long periods of closure that we had so we were really relying on on our on having a good december um this year to to write our financial position uh, we're a not for profit company as as many theaters are so um it's really important that we december is hugely important to our business and um we already had to to re- adjust and recover from having our capacity yeah. cut uh, by 50%.
1: And are you uh, clear this morning what the proposal is for events like the Panto and other performances that would be scheduled for after 5pm? Does this measure, the closure measure that's proposed, do you think that uh, impacts you too?
3: Um, it would appear that it, it will affect us and that it, it, the, the leaking suggests that events after can't take place after 5pm but obviously we're waiting for that announcement to happen but um, we have thousands of people booked in for um, 7.30 shows for, for our panto for the next several weeks so it would be an enormous challenge to adjust to that and accommodate everybody because we already have matinee shows that are booked out so it's not that we can just bring everything forward mm-hmm. and you can't ask actors or a cast to do two shows back to back or do one in the morning and anyway people are working through it during the day these are most of the shows are taking place on weeknights so it would be ridiculous to even imagine that you could bring them forward to lunchtime or anything like that
1: and would you would it be worth putting on the shows continuing to put the show on if you can only have the matinee
3: um I mean we will always try and put the show on um, but it would be it would be very difficult for us to continue to be economically viable I mean having our capacity cut has probably cost save every man quarter of a million euro up to now, we could lose another six-figure sum if these performances are in question. So it's very hard for uh, a charity to continue to just adjust to all of those mm. things. So it would be necessary to have supports in place if, um, if, if this happens. Um, because, I mean, Panto employs over, alone employs over a 1,000 people around the country, over 300,000 people attend Pantos and Cork, Dublin and Galway mm. around the country. Every year, so it's, there's going to be a a huge knock-on effect if this is what
1: happened. Sean, thanks again for joining us. Sean Kelly there from the Everyman Theatre in Cork. Sporting organisations will face some tough decisions if Neffet advice on crowds and curfews is followed, especially rugby and horse racing, because as you know, there are big ticket events on St. Stephen's Day and other days around Christmas. And I'm joined now by Johnny Ward, who's a freelance racing journalist and also Murray Kinsler, rugby writer with The42.ie. Johnny, to start with you, a 5pm curfew and limits on crowds of up to 5,000 people How will this hit the racing calendar?
6: Yeah, Claire, the the 5pm thing wouldn't be a big deal because obviously with it being this time of year, race meetings kind of concludes around four, half four. So, um, you know, people could then go home. But um, for Limerick, we'll say like the four day festival is a massive deal for them. It's like four of their biggest seven days of the year. Um, For Leopard Sound, they might have about 10,000 people coming in as a restricted uh, crowd, like, and maybe if it were in a normal year, they could have up to 15,000 people, say, on the 26th. Um, so it would have a, a very, very serious effect. And, like, I think for the, the regular patrons who will say you're treble vaccinated, like, elderly person who has made, like, Leopardstown part of his or her life, like, this would be a very hard thing to take, considering, like, all he or she has gone, gone through over the last two years.
1: And had the crowds been back at racing? Had they been coming?
6: They have, Claire, but it has been hit because, like, it's a it's a habitual thing, and I think a lot of people who just, you know, weren't able to go racing um, while it was going ahead, I think they got out of the habit of it and you know, it's been hard for the racecourses to get people back. Um, you know, the, the betting industry has been badly hit as well. the, the betting ring at the racecourse is is nothing like what it was. So the racecourse experience isn't what it was either. And you know, I suppose owners who went when they were allowed go, but the the race score wasn't allowed go initially, it was a fairly sterile experience that would have put them off a little bit as well so race course, or sorry, racehorse ownership in Ireland is still quite high but a lot of people kind of have gotten out of the habit of going racing and that would okay. for me be a big worry going forward as and well
1: On the rugby side Murray, big ticket events coming up there St Stephen's Day Munster-Leinster match versus in in Thomond uh, Park How many tickets were sold to that game?
7: Every single one of the tickets was sold. So 26,000 people are expecting to go along to that game. And and I'd say a lot of callers are are worrying about being at that. Um, It's a massive fixture in the calendar. And there's a round, really, of inter-provincial clashes in the United Rugby Championship ahead. So these are big money spinners for the provinces, for the RFU and and they're definitely concerned at this stage. They've obviously been hit like every other industry financially by the the last couple of years and this time of year is, is a massive part of it for the provinces.
1: Another issue which is controversial this morning is this decision to give Montpellier the walkover over Leinster for that match that can't go ahead tonight because of COVID cases. Leinster are extremely unhappy with that decision.
7: Yeah, there's huge anger there. Leinster had a a matchday squad named, ready and willing to travel with public health clearance to to go and play. Their whole matchday squad had cleared four or five rounds of antigen and PCR testing. Now they do have a COVID outbreak within their squad but they were well ready to to travel Um, and EPCR made a decision that the game wasn't safe to to go ahead and they announced that Montpellier who also we should say have COVID in their squad, they had five cases earlier this week that they would be awarded the the match points, a a bonus point loss for Leinster essentially. So there's huge anger there because they were ready to go and and play the game Um, and there's worries I suppose about European fixtures in general general because the the French government have changed their UK travel restrictions as well so meetings are ongoing this morning and and really it's all up in upheaval
1: certainly is uh, up, up in the air in many areas thank you very much Murray and Johnny and I'm joined by Dr Fergal Hickey now consultant in emergency medicine at Sligo University Hospital and Dr Hickey is also president of the Irish Association of Emergency Medicine thank you very much for joining us do you think that these recommendations represent the right public health decision right now
8: I think they reflect the, um, co- the serious concerns about Omicron. I mean, at the moment, we're talking about leaks, and I think it's regrettable that uh, this has been leaked in the way that this has. I mean, I, I think Neffert's advice and the justification for that advice should be made to government rather than leaked uh, to, to any media. So I think that that's a challenge, and I suppose we're speculating on what might or might not arise from the two meetings taking place today. But I think it reflects serious concerns about the impact of omicron and its capacity to overwhelm the healthcare system now whether the specific recommendations are right or wrong i'm not in a position to say and i suppose only time will tell but when you see the french government for example in the last issue that you were talking about banning english clubs or british clubs from from playing in france you know different countries are taking slightly different approaches but all are scared by omicron because of its transmissibility mm-hmm. and it really doesn't matter that uh, it may be uh, whether it is or isn't more virulent uh, the fact that it's more transmissible means that even if a small amount of cases go on to require hospitalization and obviously a subset of that go on to critical care or to die if you have a very large denominator and if you have many many thousands of cases then the healthcare system is going to be overwhelmed. And Unfortunately, we haven't put the capacity in place to have a healthcare system which can tolerate this.
1: Well, that's what people like Pat Crotty trying to run a bar down in Kilkenny would say. You know, the health service can't but should be able to cope with this.
8: I think we are now uh, reaping the uh, rewards, if you like, for a failure to invest in capacity over time. In Ireland has fewer acute hospital beds than OECD countries on average we have probably about three-fifths of the average that OEC, other oect countries have we've also got fewer critical care beds and although we created some critical care capacity in anticipation of covid that was often at the expense of other beds so the fact that our healthcare system is frail and is doesn't have the capacity to deal with what is coming is what's driving these recommendations. And it is is unfortunately a reality. Today as we speak, or at least yesterday's figures, today's figures haven't been published yet, there were 408 people on trolleys. And that's at a time in which there is almost no elective activity going on. So this reflects emergency activity. So if we're overwhelmed now, as we are pretty much from day to day, you can imagine the consequences if Omicron generates a significant number of hospital admissions.
1: Mm, what about the booster programme, Fergal? Do you think that if that had been rolled out even a couple of weeks quicker that we might be in a different situation today?
8: I d- yes, I d- I do. I do think that is the only, I mean, apart from the public health restrictions, the only other thing we have in our armoury is the booster. And the reality is that two doses of the vaccine is insufficient to protect you against Omicron. We're realistically talking about three doses. The fact that we're also trying to do this in the days leading up to Christmas, when it's logistically difficult, I think is unfortunately too late. It should have started with healthcare professionals some weeks earlier, and therefore I think we'd be in a better place.
1: Fergal, thank you, for your, thank you for your time this morning. That's Fergal Hickey, President of the Irish Association of Emergency Medicine. Paddy Murray says he's been a prisoner of this virus for two years and he tells us how this Christmas is shaping up for him. That's coming up next. Email todaycb at rte.ie.